Aloha, everyone. Welcome to Connection to the Cosmos with your host, me, Dr. Lisa Thompson, where I have out-of-this-world conversations with extraordinary people. And today, I have on Lauren Dionysius. I'm getting that name right. <laughs> All the way from Gold Coast, Australia. So we're going to bring her on in just a moment, but first, just a couple of quick announcements. First, if you have not downloaded my free 20-minute meditative journey to meet your galactic family and guides, make sure you grab that, mysticmanta.com or drlisajthompson.com. And if you're visiting the big island of Hawaii, not Oahu, but the big island, definitely come and see me on one of my big island UFO tours where you will be able to see the night sky with our advanced generation three military night vision goggles and... While I can't 100% say you're going to see a spacecraft, you're going to see a spacecraft or a lot of them. So anyway, without further ado, I'm going to bring on Lauren. Hello, Lauren. Hi, Lisa. So lovely to be here today. Yeah, I can't wait for our conversation. Your topic is really interesting. So I'm sure we're going to have a great conversation. <laughs> First, so let me introduce you to everyone. Mm -hmm. So... Born Energy emerged through Lauren's spiritual experiences as a registered nurse caring for over 7,000 critically ill babies requiring intensive care from birth, dealing with cases of extreme prematurity, unexpected birth trauma, congenital abnormalities, surgery, infection, and complex social situations left her questioning the why behind every baby's journey, especially when these babies did not survive. As a highly sensitive human, Lauren felt the world around her at a visceral level and began to absorb the surrounding energies, emotions, and behaviors of these babies, which was physically, emotionally, and mentally exhausting. After a much-needed break, including a near-death experience in Africa, I want to talk to you about that, Lauren felt an inexplicable urge to return to the nursery. Here she began experiencing phenomena she initially dismissed, hearing unborn babies, feeling their energy fields and seeing images of non-human beings around babies in the ICU. But it was when she experienced three shared death experiences, witnessing these babies' souls as they left the earth, that she realized she could no longer ignore what was happening. It was clear that both the babies and their energetic guides were trying to communicate. Deciding to listen, she discovered insights and wisdom from their perspective that not only changed the way she cared for babies clinically, but what she believed about life and death. So Lauren is now passionate about honoring the very real human experience, including grief and loss, while integrating the wisdom that babies have to share with us around their purpose, personality, past lives, perspectives, and parenting. Babies communicate from preconception through pregnancy, including miscarriage, termination, and stillbirth, and into early childhood. After all, babies are the ones who come and go from the earth, so doesn't it make sense that they have the answers to the questions we ask about them? Well, this is fascinating, Lauren, like just fascinating because I actually, you know, I, I have a few friends that have lost babies, either through mm -hmm. miscarriage, abortion or um, stillbirth or maybe even just a few days after birth. So before we get into all of that and what the, the messages that the babies are and the, the wisdom that they have. I would love for you to share with our audience kind of how you grew up, spiritual, religious, something else, like were you always in tune with this kind of stuff? Uh, no, I wasn't. So I grew up in a very strict Christian family, um, okay. going to church every Sunday, doing all the things, the study, the youth groups, the confirmation, all of those things were very much part of my world from the beginning, um, I do remember having a couple of, um, I guess, memories of um, beings around me um, when I was around about a toddler, like maybe two years old, three maybe, um, and and then there was nothing. Um, I think my upbringing sort of, you know, squashed that part of me and I wasn't able to explore that it was kind of any anything that wasn't religion was I guess you know sort of work of the devil type thing so um so it was something that you know in hindsight I had a lot of the the gifts were there but they were very much suppressed and so I had this yeah this very strict upbringing and I and I left the church in my late teens early 20s somewhere around there um you know with a lot of guilt but also 
having this knowing that it just wasn't aligned. And I knew that from a young age. I just felt that, no, there's something that doesn't quite make sense here to me. And a lot of that was around the fear and the the um, all or nothing, yes, no, it's either good or it's bad. And, you know, a lot of these types of, um, yeah, I guess, uh, um, the dogma or the, or the beliefs that were kind of um, instilled into us. And, and so, yeah, in my early 20s, I, I began to um, move away from all of that. And it's been quite the journey for me as an adult, sort of undoing a lot of that and unpacking a lot of that. Yeah. Um, and then during that process, you know, I guess my, my spiritual gifts have been able to come back online and I've been able to um, explore those in really um, quite unique and, and different ways because of, of my upbringing. So it's been a complete 360 for me with, um, yeah, with the, the spiritual side of things, having that very strict religious upbringing Mm-hmm. And then moving away from that into something that's very different to my family even now are very um, still mostly sort of in that religious realm. So, um, but yeah, it's been something I've needed to to journey through and to con- reconnect to my own inner truth and what feels right and aligned for me um, has been stepping away from that. And it, it's been quite, quite the journey <laughs> to, to do that. Yeah, well, so... Okay, so you know, being an RN, a registered nurse, yeah. that's pretty like you know mainstream, like you know normal career. And I, I'm a former scientist, so like yeah. come from that world as well. But yeah. like, okay, so how how did this all come about with the babies? Yeah, well, ever since I was a child, I remember being a five year old, and you know, people would say, "What do you want to do when you grow up?" And I'd be like, "I want to be a nurse and look after the babies." And that really never faltered throughout, even though I had that very strict upbringing, you know, nursing was something that was very much supported by my family, uh, you know, to do that and to go to university and, you know, that was all very well supported. So, so I did that. I finished my nursing training in 2000 and then went um, as a very green 20 year old and very naive in many ways into um a very real world, you know, around life and death and really big responsibilities around that as a clinician. And so um, after a couple of years um, doing some general nursing, I I got a job in the nursery. So by the age of 23, I was, um, I was in my dream job, except it wasn't necessarily what I expected because, again, as a very sensitive soul, I really struggled emotionally and ethically um with working in that in that world of um you know not just the the science side of it but mm-hmm. it became very real to me that babies didn't survive that they um that they they weren't all born happy and healthy and and pink and you know got to stay with their mums and you know have this really beautiful experience you know I was dealing with with the worst of birth and I've sort of seen everything that that can go wrong and has gone wrong and it was emotionally and mentally it was a real struggle for me um and so I did it for about eight or nine years and I got to this point where I'm like I can't do it anymore and I got really angry at um you know at God you know whatever that that God figure was to me back then and you know that he was doing a really bad job if he was letting allowing babies to to die and so I left. I thought, you know what, I just need to take a break. Um, so I saved up all my my holiday leave and I just went to Africa on a one-way ticket and I planned a couple of things. I thought I'm going to go and volunteer with the animals. Don't want anything to do with doctors, nurses, hospitals, healthcare, babies, parents. So animals seemed like a safe place to be, right? And I did. I had a, a fantastic time and I was over there for seven months volunteering and having all kinds of crazy experiences. And that's when I decided to go um, whitewater rafting um, in, in the Zambezi River. Um, river. Um, and so, you know, it was the end of the, the low season. It was the very last day of the season, actually. So the water was really low. Um, and so I had this, this experience and it wasn't, you know, you hear a lot about near-death experiences being, 
um, you know, really nice and you're seeing the light and there's like all these like really friendly beings around you and you don't want to go back to your body. And mm-hmm. to me, it was not that. It was a okay. very, <laughs> it was a very um, scary experience for me. Yes, I had a, a dark tunnel. Everything went black. I had that feeling of um, I knew my body was underwater. I didn't know um, where, like I had no orientation of whether I was, you know, up the right way or upside down or I had no no sense of orientation of my body in the water. Yeah. Um, I'll just feel, I could feel my body being hit by rocks um, but I didn't know where I was within that or how far under I was. Um, but I had this sensation of being outside of my body, looking back on my body, but everything was black. The only light I could see was a screen and that was with all with a lot of um, different parts of my life. Um, I could see I was, you know, I guess it was that life review that that's often talked about when it comes to, to near-death experiences and it was, it was scary for me because I was having a ball in Africa. I did not want to die. I knew it wasn't my time. It was, I also had very much had a fear of death as well after witnessing a lot of death in my, you know, clinically in my job. Um, And as a child, I had some loss as a child as well. And so, yeah, so it was, it was very, um, very frightening for me. But I, I did have a lot of, um, in hindsight, there were beings around me that were, you know, this isn't your time. It's, you know, you're not ready to go yet. There's still work that you need to do. And I just kept seeing a picture of my my niece who at the time was maybe six or eight years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, I have to go back for her. I have to go back for the children. I have to go back, you know. And I had no idea about what was coming of course but I I did I ended up being rescued um by a um I don't know a man in a kayak (laughs) like because I'm like why aren't they rescuing me and I went through two or three rapids in the water so it wasn't a huge period of time it was only like a few minutes I guess I was in the water but um completely changed the trajectory of my life um you know not only my my career like career wise but also it really got me curious about more of the spiritual side of life because until then I'd sort of dabbled in a bit of yoga but that was it you know I was still working from pulling away from the um the church and just like exploring you know what else is out there and you know what interests me and and that but after that experience in Africa I came home to Australia like within a month or two of that experience and still didn't want to have anything to do with babies. So I worked in other areas of nursing um, for about three years and then I felt this call to go back and I'm like, no, like I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not going to be helping, you know, withdraw care from babies and turn off their life support and, you know, remove their breathing tubes and all of that I'm like no like I'm not going to do that like I'm just not so there's got to be another plan because I'm not doing that (laughs) like not it's not part of my yeah of my repertoire and yeah so I sort of had this like on off you know argument I guess in many ways or resistance with the universe and then yeah things happened I ended up moving and all of this and then I just yeah I thought, okay, well, if I have to go back to the nursery, I'm only going to work with well babies. So it's the babies that are just a little bit prem and they just need to grow and get a bit bigger and learn how to eat properly. And I thought, okay, I can do that. I can do that. And so that's where it started. But then it's sort of I gradually began working with the with the sicker babies because, you know, my experience was sort of there I guess and you know with hospitals they're often short-staffed and and so I was gradually without even really knowing what was happening ended up in ICU again with the babies and I was like okay if I'm gonna do this it's got to be different this time around because I can't keep running away to Africa when I can't deal with this (laughs) like I've done it once I'm really glad I did it and I had a ball and it was amazing but I can't keep doing that as a way to cope with with this stuff like it's yeah and it just sort of yeah that was then the start of another 
profound journey for me with experiencing, yeah, having these different experiences that initially I thought I was going crazy and I did actually take some time off work because I thought I've just done too many night shifts, I need to take a break, my mind is like going a bit crazy, <laughs> like I'm stressed, um, you know, the, the nurse in me. <laughs> Can you give us an example of what one of these experiences that you thought you were like, what is going on here? Yeah. Yeah. Well, my first experience was on a night shift and I was working at a big, a big city um, intensive care unit for babies. And yeah, it was three o'clock in the morning and I had this experience. I was working one-on-one with a baby who was, um, who had an infection. So we're in isolation. So it was only me and this, this baby. Um, And I, was getting really frustrated with her because she wouldn't stop crying and I'd done all of the things and, you know, she was fed and she was clean and she was warm and she was still yelling at me and I was, you know, I'm also very human and (laughs) very tired at 3am. And so I went over to her cot and I saw an image around her and it was, now this sounds really weird, so, like, bear with me, but I actually saw an image of Elma Fudd like over her cot it was this cartoon kind of caricature type image um mm. again it was like um not obviously in the 3d realm he wasn't standing there over her cot but it was like this um that this layer that you know it comes over my own perception or my own vision and I saw this um this cartoon image above her cot and I'm like, what, what the hell, like what, what on earth, like who is what, you know, what's going on? And as I was doing this, I got her, um, I thought I'm just going to put her dummy in, you know, her pacifier like into her mouth to settle her and, and all of that. And because I just wanted her to go to sleep so I could have a nap in the corner as well. And as I did this, the face changed and there was this sense of shock and um, confusion. And I'm like, what? Like, not only is this character here and I'm seeing this, but now the picture is changing seemingly in response to how I'm working with this baby or what's happening with this baby. And then my awareness sort of come back to this actual baby in the cot and she was looking at me with the eyes wide open and like, what, what are you doing to me? And it was this sense of, I I guess I'd done enough spiritual work and inner work myself to realize that I've just silenced her voice and I have tried to manipulate her in some ways to do what I wanted to do and in the process I've silenced her I've shut her down I've suppressed her oh my god this is the beginning of all the problems that we have as humans right when we are like (laughs) suppressing and we're, we're not sharing our voice and we're afraid to to talk and share and all these things and I there was this sense of oh my god like what have I done I just felt really guilty and really awful and I'm like why she's trying to tell me something and I don't want to listen you know and all this was going on at 3 a.m and I was very tired and nauseous and headachey and all the things and and yeah and so I picked her up and held her and apologized and you know and then I sort of had this bit of a weird conversation and it wasn't there was no judgment from her to me, but it was just this realization from me to her, oh my God, look what I've done. And trying to understand that. But at the same time, it was so incredibly clear. And it's like all these, I guess, pieces of the puzzle fell into place for me in that moment. Um, But, you know, this is looking back in hindsight, but at the time I'm like, oh, Mm -hmm. I've done way too many nights now. I I need a break because I'm losing my marbles and I need to, like, sort myself out and (laughs) take a break. So I did. I took two weeks off and, you know, but it it didn't work. It didn't help. And I started having these, um, yeah, these experiences that just kept coming and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to ignore them because, I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, I'm really confused. They're weird. So I'm just going to keep trying to be a normal nurse and 
doing my job as I'm being paid to do and trained to do. And I'm just going to, you know, allow myself to just maybe be a little bit entertained by this stuff, but not, you know, not take it too, you know, too much to heart or pay too much attention. And because I think at this point, I still felt that it was my imagination. And I'm just like, again, I've always been told I've got a very active imagination. And I'm like, that's just it playing out in my world, not Mm -hmm. knowing that it was some kind of intuitive gift that was trying to come through and and also that beings were trying to communicate with me and I'm like I don't want to listen yeah (laughs) well when did when did you finally make that transition to acknowledge and allow it it was probably after after 12 months and okay when I yeah it was it was a while to where I'm just like Again, I was getting to this point where this is kind of interesting and I'm curious, but what do I do with it? Is it just for my entertainment? You know, obviously working in a, a hospital, I couldn't just start talking about this stuff to my colleagues, right? Right. The parents or anyone. Exactly. <laughs> it's, not the, it's not the sort of thing you can discuss on your lunch break or anything like that. And so there was no outlet for me to be able to, to share it. And so it was just something that I just, I guess I hid it, you know, and I, and I guess during that process over time, I become more and more misaligned with, with my role as a nurse, because I was, there was a big part of me that I wasn't honoring and was starting to really just not align with, you know, with working with babies in that way, but it's what I knew. And so that's why I sort of kept kept going you know for many more years until I stepped out of that but but there was a period of about four years I think where I thought okay this is really interesting and I'm going to start I can't really talk about it but I'm going to start writing so I started keeping journals whenever I had these experiences um and yeah and so it was about four years where I was open to these experiences and I was really intrigued and curious and I thought maybe I'll I'll write a book about it one day you know that was kind of where I thought it was going um and then eventually I thought no I can't do this anymore I I actually need to get out like I need to leave the hospital I need to hang up my scrubs and just not be a nurse anymore because this other part of me was becoming so strong I'd started seeing, um, was starting to see clients on the side that I was sort of working more in the in the nervous system balance, um, restorative yoga type space. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was happening is that women who were trying to conceive or had lost a baby or were pregnant or had a newborn, was, I was starting to draw those um, women into my my clientele, and so it then become a place where I could share these experiences that that I was having but it was quite a journey to to get to that point um so yeah but I I learned so much you know they the I always say that the babies were my greatest teachers and that period of time where I was working as a nurse in the hospital and I just had so much exposure to different types of babies and you know being able to um learn about their energy field and I'd start exploring like how I spoke to them how I touched them and I would correlate that with their um, cardiac monitor so I could see again the left brain science-based evidence-based nurse in me likes to see the evidence and so I just started exploring that you know if I approach them from the feet how does that affect their heart rate and their breathing rate and if I touch them on the head how does that affect them and if I talk to them or don't talk to them, how does that change their their vital signs and their, how does that change from their baseline? So um, I spent four years, like, doing that to help me to understand them, them more deeply but also to find a way, I guess, for my, my, um, my left brain, my logical scientific mind to... I guess process like these other experiences that were that were happening. Okay. So, yeah. Well, 
so okay so i you know we're at the point where i want to ask so what what are some of the things that the babies were sharing with you and like different examples because yeah I mean, <laughs> for sure. we're all energy and I totally understand, yeah, that babies, adults, anyone, you know, yeah. have this ability to communicate. So I'm just, yeah. What did yeah. you Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's, there's lots of different things that they share. Um, one thing that they tend to share is whether they've been to earth before. Mm. So, or not. And I remember that because I'd, I'd gotten used to what, a baby's energy feels like and even what their soul feels like within that within that space and so I remember when I first started caring for a baby and I'm I just knew I'm like you have not been here before you have never been here on the earth you've never incarnated before and I'm like I don't know what to do with you like how do I it was if the energy felt so different is probably the best way to describe it Mm -hmm. and then this shot this soul didn't so much communicate verbally um, or even visually it was more through feeling and that's the other thing I I find is that just like us here on earth you know some of us are better speakers others are better writers um, others might be more visually creative and paint or draw and I find it's it's very much the same thing in my experience in spirit so some babies or some souls are very much are very visual so they'll show me pictures of you know, it might be pictures of past lives. They can show me pictures of um, their future lives and what they're coming here to do, which goes a little bit more into their their purpose. Um, yeah. Other babies, especially those who have been to earth recently, um, when I say recently, probably the last few hundred years, I guess, like they are able to have a conversation, you know, like, like we are, you can, it's, it's something that I understand. Um, I don't feel there needs to be a translation process happening. There's this sense of just having a a conversation. Um, There may be images there sometimes, sometimes it's, it's purely like auditory, like it's just hearing um, the words and the conversations. Um, And then other babies will communicate through, um, through energy or I'll get different sensations in my body or sometimes like they'll just drop like it's hard to ex- explain it sometimes they'll just like drop off um, a concept to me it's like they'll just flying by and they like drop it into my brain and then I need time to sit with that and allow it to kind of filter through my brain in a way that I can talk about it or write about it or explain it in some way um, and so it's sort of like yeah, probably like the first thing that really comes through is it's like, okay, well, what does their energy feel like and how do they need to communicate? And do I need to call in more beings to help me understand them? And I need to at times. I'm like, I have no idea what you're saying. I don't know what you're trying to share with me. I'm willing to listen, but we need a third party here to help, you know, decipher and and understand things. And that's when I'll call in um, my guides and different beings who can help the human me, I guess, understand things a little bit, a little bit more. But, um, but yeah, so as far as I guess what they like to share is they, they like to share around what we can do to prepare for them, especially I work with a lot of women who are, are trying to conceive or experiencing, um, you know, infertility issues. Um, and so there can be a lot of wisdom that these incoming souls share with us about what they need, whether there's something physically going on with mum, whether there's something in the relationship that needs some resolution. Some babies have even shared, like, I don't want to live in the house that you live in. Like we need to move house. And that can be, I'm like, I can't tell these, this family they need to up and move. But when that happens, it's normally because they've been considering like, Oh, you know, maybe we could move to the country or you know, so there's usually something there, but they can have very specific requests around um, what they need for their conception. Okay. Um, they also share around, especially those those souls that have come through um, briefly and then have been left through miscarriage, stillbirth, um, you know, abortion, termination, all of that. They also have really important messages to share around what's going on for them I think as humans we naturally 
um, focus on the journey from our perspective and we see things as, you know, like what did I do wrong or I shouldn't have done that or I should have done that or, you know, all of these things when actually when we peel it back and these babies share, well, actually I need some time to get um, used to the earth's energy. You know, they're coming from a very high vibrational space and energy And so it's like, you know, crash landing onto this planet that is so vastly different from their own energetic essence that they need time to adjust. And so they will often come for a couple of months and then leave. And they may need to do that a few times in order to help calibrate their energy to to the earth. Um, So lots comes through around that as well as different social experiences as well. You know, that's something I really struggled with as a nurse with babies being born addicted to drugs or into really challenging social situations. That was something else I found really, really hard. Um, And so they can often share wisdom around that as well. And it can often be very, well, it was very confronting for me because my human side still couldn't really understand that to a level where, it's almost like their answers weren't good enough to kind of justify it for me, I guess, and to help me to understand why a soul would choose that. You know, the, the human part of me finds that really hard, but by being open to, I guess, the soul's perspective of that um, helped me to deal with that more um, and understand that a little bit more. Um so, so yes, they also like to share about their personality. Um, the energy that they bring through often will give insight into their personality, what they're coming here to learn, what they're coming here to teach us. Um, some souls have a collective purpose as well around, especially at the moment, there's a lot around um, changing traditions around families and what that looks like and parents and, and what parents look like and their roles, their gender roles. Um, lots of changes around, um, yeah, gender identity, sexuality, all of that. There's a lot of souls coming through to to um, help shift these types of perceptions in our society. So, yeah, they share all sorts. Okay. Well, wow. Well, so one of the things that, you know, that I understand from my own experiences and, and just talking to a lot of other people is that, we all come in when we're born, we all come in with soul contracts that we've agreed to and with the people in our lives. Even if it's just like me and you, Lauren, we, we mm-hmm. have a contract to be here to talk and have this conversation right now, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're choosing the situations that whether they are really beautiful experiences or they're really like major life lessons, really mm-hmm. hard earth lessons. And so it's interesting that um, you you had to come to terms with that, I guess, from your own perspective of the babies. Just I, I'm assuming giving you the information, like, yeah, I chose this parent, I chose yes. this situation, and it's for me to learn. Yeah, and maybe the parent to learn too, because we're all learning together, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, if we're coming here to to work on a particular pattern or a particular wound or soul imprint that we're coming here to work with then often we need to recreate that situation first right before we can work on on that and so that's what I found a lot with these um you know babies being born addicted to drugs or being born into families with domestic violence they were the two things I really struggled with as a human working in this environment and you know, and I remember one of the things that a baby communicated with me, um, she was a twin and um, born into these this, you know, type of social situation. And, you know, I can't remember her exact words off the top of my head, but the gist of it was it just shows your own, um, what was it, my own intolerance of, of differences and my own um, preconceived ideas of what things should look like and also my own lack of understanding of the bigger picture and when and it, you know it was slightly different words to that but it was like when that come through to me I was like oh my god you know it was kind of like you want to walk away with your tail between your legs kind of thing you know it's like oh my god yeah like you know so it was so a lot of things like that happened which were very confronting I guess to my own beliefs and mm-hmm my own, um, I guess, 
not necessarily morals, but my own thoughts or, or beliefs, yeah, around what's right and what's wrong and having to really let go of that in almost every area or probably every area of my life because it, it's, it's just not like that, right? You know, think this black and white, right or wrong, yes, no, is, is so, it's too, um, too extreme. Like, you know, in my experience, like, you know, things fit in the middle of those. It's not one or the other. Right. So, so they really stretched my mind there with, with those things around like, well, yeah, like what, what is, what's in me that's judging that this situation is wrong for this child, you know, without knowing their, their reasons for coming and why they would want to experience this. Like, how can I just automatically say that what's happened is wrong? Right. You know, it's, it does show our own intolerance or ignorance. It does. And I love, I mean, it, this conversation is just perfect timing because of how divided the world is right now. It's not just mm-hmm. my country, but the entire world mm-hmm. is so extremely polarized and judging mm-hmm. each other. And like, really, um, it, it seems like more extreme than it has been in previous times in my, my, mm-hmm. this earth life anyway. And so one of the things that my um, ETs remind us is from that higher perspective, you know, they're, do not judge. You don't, yeah. you know, cause we all come to learn different things. We all need mm-hmm. these experiences. We are choosing these experiences. And, you know, I know, I, I mean, when we're talking about babies and even the abortion issue, termination issue, mm-hmm. there's so much controversy over that because, mm-hmm. You know, some of the highly religious people don't understand that mm-hmm. this is energy. This is yeah. a costume. Yes. Yeah. Like the one, one and done, right? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, and I think on that as well, like, you know, I guess the way I see, you know, miscarriage and, and abortion, you know, the main difference is it's like, well, whose soul decides when to leave and you know for miscarriage it's you know it's the the baby's soul it's like okay I need to um you know this is this is as far as I want to go and I'm I'm going to to leave now so it's like that soul that makes the decision mm-hmm. but you know as humans where we also have our own soul right and we also have our own decisions and free will and talking about that bigger picture of coming to the earth to perhaps, you know, help to to balance different past life wounds and karma and, and all of these things. Like, you know, again, looking at the bigger picture, how empowering is it for a woman to be able to make that decision about her body? And it's like, you know what, no, this isn't right for me and it's or it's not right for, you know, whatever right. um, that context is and how empowering for the soul to say, no, this is not what's right for me at this time. It's not what I want. It's, you know. And again, the reasons reasons don't matter, but again, it's the soul's perspective and the soul's journey um, mm-hmm. and growth and expansion to say no, especially if in a previous life that they haven't had that choice. And so it's so empowering to say, okay, I get to make a choice here. Um, and that's often the, the lesson and the growth um, from the soul's perspective in those situations, particularly with, with termination or abortion. So um who is such an empowering decision but you know there's all these layers that are around that as well social layers from yes. society there really are yeah. well this, yeah this this whole conversation you're the first one that i've had on that this specializes in this you know i'm oh, right. like <laughs> 80 plus episodes now and um so it's just it's a really interesting thing to you know I think a lot of humans think that, okay, when they're holding this little baby that, you know, okay, well, they don't know anything. They're, you know, they just yeah. don't understand the wisdom that yes. really is already existing in this little Absolutely. entity, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, now I have two children myself. So when my daughter, when I was pregnant with her, um, she came to me in my dreams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And would communicate somewhat. Um, there was a, at one point when I was trying to figure out what sex she was, you know, they did the ultrasound and she didn't want to show us, but she came to me in my dream and showed me in the dream. Mm-hmm. And 
I, you know, when we're talking about, you know, choosing hard situations, well, her father, um, he, he was a challenging one for us. I had to kick him out of the house when she was seven months old. And so mm-hmm. came in with all of these really hard life lessons mm-hmm. and still working mm-hmm. through that teenager, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, and I just, again, like I've had friends who have gone through all the experiences that you've talked about. And so yeah. like, how do pe- do mothers come to you and hire you to talk to their babies? Like how, how do you work with people now? Yeah, so I do at the moment I'm I'm doing a baby soul reading, so working with women um one to one and we do um I do in person sessions here on the Gold Coast, but I also work with a lot of women all over the world um via Zoom. Okay. Um I also do distance sessions as well where there's actually no talking. Um because sometimes, especially if there's um any sort of loss involved, sometimes women don't want to talk about that or they're not ready or it might be too raw or too painful and I'm so I'm really passionate about allowing you know honoring that as well and so then what what I do is I um I send out a form that allows women to if they have any specific questions mm-hmm. um sometimes they leave it blank if they just want to see what is going to come through um and then once I receive that information back then I most of the time I allow for the babies to come to me. So I'm, I'm very much, I see myself as a receiver and here to, um, to share, but I'm, I feel very um, passionate about and very focused on I'm not going to go out ambushing them and like looking for them and like kind of hunting them down and harassing them. I'm like I've connected with your with your mother or your future mother, whatever it may be. Um, I can feel you. I'm here. Let me know when you're ready to communicate and, you know, what that might look like. And so normally I get this sense of, oh, okay, I'm going to be doing a reading this morning. This is if I'm doing a distant one, obviously, with Zoom. It's a bit different, you know, because there is that time <laughs> allocated. Right. Um, Come on, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm like, you're up. It's 10 a.m. Like it's time. Um, <laughs> but even with those, I do some prep work before as well to establish the the connection, just so I can go into that deeper that deeper space of of meditation. Because um, what I do to connect is I go very much inwards. I actually go in and down and work with the Earth's energy to really. Um, ground myself into the earth's energy and again to just um have that foundation first and that grounding and then that I don't know like I guess my brain kind of likens it to gravity it's like then it draws them towards me Mm -hmm. um and then I just listen so I ask questions especially if the parents have questions but I I just like to listen and allow them to share what they want to share and how they want to share that, as I mentioned earlier, whether it's visual or words or feelings. Um, And so, and I just allow that to happen. And it normally takes an hour, give or take, sometimes more, sometimes less, depending how much they want to share with me. Um, And, yeah, and then it can, anything, anything can come through in in any way, shape or form. Um, you know, lots of different energies can come through as well. You know, there's sort of, I'm sort of starting to work more in the the galactic realms because there's a lot of um, souls coming to the earth who haven't been before. Um, It's a whole wave of them coming at the moment. And so I'm working with a lot of energies that I'm like, yeah, you're not an angel or you're not, you know, you're very different energies and can be very, um, like energetically intense where I'm like, okay, dude, you've got to like back off a bit because I can't, I've lost my sense of self here. Um, so ask you a question about that real quick. Because, yeah. Um, you know, I, I have that sense too, that like we have a lot more star seeds being born. And part of that is to be here to bridge that gap between meeting our galactic family out there, right. And becoming part mm-hmm. of this greater galactic world. But I'm curious what kind of messages the galactic babies <laughs> are bringing compared to, I guess, more of the, the earthbound, already been here on earth before babies. Yeah. Yeah. The, the galactic ones, they, 
they're very unique. Like they have this energy that um, is, I guess, from the Earth's perspective, very much like a blank slate. But they mm. have what I find with them is they have this sense of wisdom that is so far beyond the human understanding and are so advanced that a lot of these souls that are coming to earth like you know at the moment and in the coming years Mm -hmm. um there are as far as their purpose goes they have a lot of um I guess work to do around technology Mm -hmm. um around systems around um like I mentioned before really shaking up some of these social constructs about you know families and um and the again like the the gender identity thing that's going on around the planet at the moment as as people become more open and expansive to different ways of being um I'm finding a lot of these galactic souls are having a really um big role to play in that as well it's just like just that expansion of beyond what we've considered like normal in the past and so they are having a lot of um yeah, like big, really big roles and purposes around that, but they also are also really struggling energetically with being on the earth. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's even, you know, it's hard for a soul that hasn't been on the earth for 500 years to come back. Like they're going to struggle, but it's even harder if you've never been to a, a planet before. You don't speak the language. You don't know the rules you don't know how things operate you're not used to being in this sort of body and so they also even though they have like a big role and like sort of higher purpose roles like collect for the collective Mm -hmm. individually yes but more so for the collective these souls they also are some that have yeah the biggest struggles and find it the hardest to adapt and they can have so many then different um, issues if you like around behavior and emotions and being grounded and you know um I see a lot of kids with different types of medical issues or behavioral issues or you know um emotional dysregulation and and feeling really unsafe in the world and separation anxiety and like all these sorts of things and uh, not all of them but a lot of these souls I'm, I'm seeing this pattern of these these galactic beings and these galactic energies that you know, you can imagine, like, you know, if you suddenly go to a country you've never been to before and you don't speak the language, you don't know where to go, you don't know how to get to your hotel, you don't know anyone there, you know, right. it's going to be jarring, right, and yeah. confusing and disorientating and, yeah. like, yeah, all of the above. So, yeah, I hope that kind of answers your question. No, no it does, it does. And actually, and we were, we're running out of time here, but I just, like, I... This is so, again, it's fascinating. And I think um, hopefully the audience will really start opening their minds. And I, I know some some of my listeners already like understand this stuff, but some yeah. of them might not really understand it in the way that we've talked about it. So just, Absolutely. yeah, shifting perspective and being open, not judging. <laughs> so just, yeah, any, like how do people find you first? Yeah. So I'm on social. So on um, Facebook and Instagram, my business is Born Energy. Um, So you can find me there. Also have a website, bornenergy.com.au. So that's, that's my website. That's where I've got um, my, well, I'm actually updating my website at the moment. So there's just a link to my booking page at the moment with the different services, but there you'll find the different options that, that I have. I, I tend to work with people, probably according to their degree of um, openness or curiosity. So I have some really brief, short, sharp options. If people are a little bit like, oh, I'm not really sure about this. I don't know if I believe it. I don't know if she's legit. I don't, you know, these sorts of things. Um, From that to like some really, really deep dive um, sessions um, sort of on the other end of the scale. So so there's, yeah, usually something there for everyone, whether they're just like, oh, I think I'll just want to dip my toes in, but I'm not sure to, yeah, I mean, like, tell me everything. Okay. <laughs> so so in what, what, I guess, age? So let's say a woman isn't pregnant yet. Do you work with them? Yeah. Is there, and, and a question about that, um, 
is there already like a soul that's energetically around that mother that yeah. is giving the messages? It's like, yeah, she's my mom. Give her yeah. messages. Yeah. So I've never had a client where there hasn't been any um, baby souls. Like I call them baby souls rather than spirit babies only because the work I do goes beyond just working with babies in spirit before they've conceived. Um, that tends to be the definition of a spirit baby. So working with um, preconception, like every woman that I've worked with um, in my experience, I mean, obviously I haven't checked the energy fields of every woman on the planet, but with those drawn to my work, I've, I've never come across with anyone that where it's been like, oh, sorry, there's like no babies around you. Um, so I actually believe we all have... Um, baby souls in our energy field around us but the important thing to understand is they come with different purposes and not all of those purposes is to necessarily incarnate onto the planet for many it is but not all so that's where this work preconception can help to find out okay well who in your energy field um is is planning a life here, here on earth and yeah. what can you do to support that okay. um and it sort of works along the full spectrum because it's I do most of my work with women who, who are trying to conceive and women who've experienced loss. That's the two, um, I guess, biggest cohorts of like the, the clientele that I work with. Mm -hmm. um, so, but they also communicate, you know, during pregnancy. Um, <clears throat> they can often, <clears throat> excuse me, offer different um types of wisdom or guidance for their birth as well um, and what roles or what people they may need to, would prefer to be present for their birth. Um, and then also they communicate. I find children communicate up until around like 13, 14 is when it's usually fairly easily to accept, like access their soul. Um, once I get into the teenage years, I think that's a whole different realm of um their growth, right, as a soul, and often that's when they can become a little bit more disconnected from their higher self and their their soul. And so I find it's a little bit harder to connect or they may not necessarily want to share. It's kind of like I just need to go through this journey. Yeah. Um, and then but also working with the woman's soul as well and, you know, and the partner and siblings. So it's kind of can yeah any of those pieces of the puzzle can come into the yeah the connection or the communication side you know some souls are around their siblings so I tune into mum's energy field and it's like oh not really feeling but when I when they say oh I've got a two-year-old I tune into the two-year-old and there's a sibling there that's had past life connections with the toddler before and so they're predominantly in their their energy field so okay. um so, yeah, but they're always there. <clears throat> it's just working out. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't know where my voice is going funny. Um, they're just like, yeah, what, what is their purpose for, you know, for, for their journey? What's their, their soul's plan? Okay. Well, excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of your wisdom. And I, I would encourage the audience, if you are in any of the situations that, um, that Lauren mentioned, definitely check out her website, bornenergy.com.au. And um, I just, I appreciate meeting you, Lauren. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, Lisa. It's been great to, to chat to you and connect with your audience. And yeah, it's been, it's been wonderful being able to share this information and get it out to those that, that need to hear. So thank you. Yeah, beautiful. And thank you for those watching or listening. I'll see you next time on Connection to the Cosmos. Aloha.